Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to our first ever podcast of Illegal Ham to the Face. Uh, I am that fat guy, and to my left is Big Bri Bri. Howdy. And we are going to be talking nothing but Northeast Ohio. We're going to be talking Browns, Cavs, Indians, food, you name it. And it's Northeast Ohio, we're going to talk about it. But right now, we're mostly going to do Browns stuff. Because they still got a little bit of season left with this pandemic. So, other than that, we're good to go. And I got to ask Big Bry right out of the gate, what are, what's our trivia question for today? All right. So, we'll try to, um, first off, welcome. We'll try to start off every episode with a trivia. We'll ask it at the beginning. Kind of something that we do back and forth a lot. So, we'll ask it at the beginning. Then we will answer it at the end. So, being that it's the NFL draft season, and we both are big giant draft fans, my first question to you, my friend, is, and also what my friend failed to mention is a large part of our friendship and our relationship comes back to sports, and it comes back to a particular rivalry in college sports that isn't as friendly as we are, and that's <laughs> the Ohio State rivalry and the Michigan rivalry. He happens to be a Buckeye fan, which you can all probably relate to. OH! Unfortunately, that's not the case for me. I root for that team that has lost a lot of games in a row, and not only have my Sundays been rough in the fall because of the Browns, my Saturdays in the fall have been rough because... I root for that team up north. I'm a Michigan Wolverine fan. And so our question comes back to this to kind of bring it all together. Uh, the NFL draft, Michigan-Ohio State. My question to you is what, who, rather, was the last player from Michigan or Ohio State that was drafted number one overall? Oh, man, that's that's a good one. I really like that question. Wow. Why why would you have to do that right <laughs> out of the gate? You know, everybody's going to listen yeah, to this. Make you just, think. All right. All right. Think. I get you. I get you. So uh, right now, you know, can I use Google? No. No, no Google. Google. All no right, Google. Well, Absolutely not. Well, that use sucks. Brain. All right. So, well, we'll wait till the end of the show for me to answer that. I can't even use Google, which is horse shit. Uh, we're going to talk about the Browns offseason right now and their hirings and firings and their free agency. And uh, in episode two, we will touch on the draft. But for right now, um, I want to bring up, first off, the firing of Freddie Kitchens. Mm-hmm. You know, because obviously that had to happen. Had to happen. And there was no... Now, Dorsey brought in talent, but he failed at the one thing he shouldn't have failed at is building offense line for the Cleveland Browns. Right. He brought everything else in, which is great for us because it got the hype train back to Cleveland, mm-hmm. which we haven't had in... See here, 99... 2000, 2001. <laughs> it, it's been a while, people. A few decades. It's been, it's been a while. To say the least. But, you know, we finally got really excited about Dorsey's acquisitions last year. And, you know, we kind of got a little uh, taste of the, the high life. And then, you know, Freddie Kitchens kind of humbled us. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so Dorsey brought in guys that we could all get excited about. And in the past, the GM for the Browns. All you do is you collect draft picks, and then 
eventually you fail on those draft picks. You don't really sign big name free agents because it seems like we're we've been in a twenty year rebuild. And so, other than Dorsey, the only GM I can think of that's actually signed big name free agents was Bill Savage. Yeah. And he, you know, he didn't sign an Odell Beckham or a Jarvis Landry or a Kareem Hunt. He was signing offensive linemen, Eric Steinbach, a Charles Bentley, who, you know, we all know what happened there. And so, you know, we were just looking, we were grasping at straws. We were hoping for the best. And so when John Dorsey came in, he started making moves. We were all excited about that. Well, he was great at collecting talent. He was not great at selecting a head coach. And, you know, I personally think that he kind of had to uh, sign Freddie Kitchens because we were on such a roll that last year. And so, you know, thankfully they did the right thing and they saw that it wasn't working last year. So they had to get rid of Kitchens. Dorsey maybe was a casualty because of that. And, you know, when Haslam was looking at guys that he could trust, he trusted Paulie D. Paul D. Desta more than he did John Dorsey. And so he was willing to give the reins to Paul and say, hey, go find us a head coach. And Dorsey probably didn't like that. So he, I think it was mutual that they left each other. And so we moved forward with Andrew Barry. We moved forward with a brand-new coach in Stefanski. And, you know, we're optimistic just as optimistic as we were last year because it was so bad, how could they be any worse this year? Oh, exactly, because you can't you can't figure out how worse they could actually be because, you know, from what we've heard from everybody talking is, you know, the Browns would go out there in the first 10 plays and they'd look sweet, and then Kitchens would go, yeah, let's try this, yeah. instead of actually sticking to the game plan that they were. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hopefully with the Ivy Leaguers in now, you know, with Barry and Stefanski, <laughs> And hopefully with the smarts that both of them obviously have, mm-hmm. you know, we can get this ball rolling. And so far, so good. You know, everything Stefanski has said has been on point right. and ready to go. Like, mm-hmm. he's just, he seems like for once, and not even a disciplined coach, but he just seems like he's that put-together coach of, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do this my way, and this is how it's going to be, instead of, ah, we'll try this later, trust me on this one. That, that was a fun quote for us. Uh, but then you have Andrew Berry, who, which we, you know, not knowing, because he was, has the stink of Sashi Brown with him mm-hmm. from the whole 1 in 31. Oh. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we move forward from that. And, you know, how, how can you say it? Just give the guy a chance, right? And so far, he's looking like a champ, especially with the free agent signings that he's done so right. far, right? right? Absolutely. You know, at first, you didn't know what to think with Andrew Barry. Obviously, he has the reputation in Cleveland, anyways, of being Sashi Brown's right-hand man. You also forget that he went to Philadelphia last year, and he was the right-hand man of Howie Roseman. And so, he's learned a lot. He may be very young, but he's learned a lot in his uh, time in the NFL. And so, we didn't know how he would be. We were thinking maybe he would take the Sashi Brown approach, but he has done quite the opposite. He's been very aggressive in free agency, and I think he realizes, as a lot of us do, the Browns' window is now. You know, you have, you look at teams in the past that have won recently, Seattle, Seattle Seahawks, 
what did they do? They, they won. They took advantage of their window because they have Russell Wilson on a rookie contract. Yeah. He was a franchise quarterback. He wasn't making a whole lot of money. He was a third-round pick, so he was making even less than Baker was. But you go out, you sign all these guys before you have to pay your quarterback, your franchise quarterback, $40 million eventually, which if Baker balls out, it could be $40 million. Pat Mahomes this year, what's he going to make? He'll oh, make $40 million. He's going to make so more than that. <laughs> he resets the market, and so everyone after him is going to be looking for more money than that. And even if they're not the quality of player that Pat Mahomes is, Dak Prescott, you know, Deshaun Watson, they're going to be asking for just as much. And if Baker goes and balls out, you're going to have to pay him at least 30 35 And so you have to – your window is now – your window was last year, really, and they just completely fell on their face. And so if they can figure this offense out and the defense can hold them in games, you know, you have to – your expectation should be playoffs. Your expectation should be 10-6, and 11-5. Yeah, and, you know, the picks they – you know, not even picks, the free agents that he's picked up so far. I mean, you sit there and look at it. He has buffed up the offense – and the defense all at the same time. But the thing that he needed to buff up was the offensive line. And you're sitting here with Jack Conklin signed for three years, $42 million. And then next thing you know, here comes a tight end, Austin Hooper. Here comes a fullback, which nobody's really talked about because the Browns have never had a fullback. Terrell Smith. And it doesn't count. <laughs> you know? But you said Andy Djokovic. Then you got the backup. Slash mentor, supposedly, mm-hmm. in Case Keenum. Very good. Okay. And then he also picked up depth at our <laughs> defensive line and safety positions. Now, granted, defensive line Billings, I like him. He's a young kid. See what he does. Uh, he's just filling, and let's see where it goes from there. Then the two one-year deals that he got for Joseph and Sadejo, I think are, you know, let's see what you guys got. And if you guys actually play good this year, we'll give it a shot. But the best signing he did was Conklin to shore up that offensive line because that kid played for Tennessee and just showed up every day. And that's all we need him to do is just show up, protect that right side, and then let you know our new acquired draft pick take over the left. And then you got pro bowler on the right, pro bowler center, pro bowler left guard, and then your brand new left tackle and right guard. You've got options at right guard. So, you know, you, you've got your choices of what you want to do and how you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's break it down from the top. Two main free agent signings were Conklin and Cooper. Yes. And so Hooper they gave a lot of money to. They made him, I believe, he's now the highest paid tight end in the league. So you hear that. You know, me personally, I'm expecting – Zach Ertz, I'm expecting Travis Kelsey, I'm expecting George Kittle type production from him. Now, that's not always the case because, as we all know, you have to overpay in free agency. And so when I heard about the Hooper deal, I was not super excited, knowing that we had Najoku, thinking that, you know, we're good enough at tight end. We have these wide, these unbelievable wide receivers on the outside. So why do we need a superstar tight end? Why do we need to be paying that much money in tight end? But learning more as we go, I'm finding out that Stefanski's offense likes to have two tight ends on the field. And so now we, we not only have 
a freak who hopefully can catch. I don't know if he can catch. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when he gets the ball in his hands, look out. He's almost like a wide receiver. But we have him, and we have Hooper. And Hooper, you know, he was kind of the guy in um, Atlanta for the last few years. And he really, he was just a guy, kind of. He put up stats, but they weren't eye-popping or nothing like that. Well, he had an unbelievable year last year, and he caught a lot of touchdowns. Before last year, they were saying he's probably just a blocking tight end. And he goes out, he puts up, I'm not sure, I don't think it was quite 1,000 yards, but it might have been eight, 900 yards and a handful of touchdowns, half dozen touchdowns. And so, you know, you just hope you can get that kind of performance out of him this next year for the Browns. And hopefully he can be Baker's go-to guy when those outside receivers don't get open. And he can kind of pick up those key, those clutch first downs when it's third and five, third and six, and he can keep the chains moving because the Browns haven't had, you know, they've had good tight end seasons here and there. They haven't had a whole lot of production from their tight ends as of late. Najoku obviously last year was due to his injury, and we hope that he can bounce back, but, you know, it's a good problem to have. You have a Pro Bowl tight end in Hooper, and you have almost still a project in Najoku where you hope you can get something out of him. And maybe you can for a year or two, but if you can't, then you let him move on. And you have these guys that are, can go across the middle, can kind of clog up the middle, and let the guys get open on the backside. Yeah, with also with Hooper, you know, we found this wonderful stat, even though we're not stat people. But, uh, you know, the past two years, any catchable passes, throw them, he caught 94% of them. Wow. Which is, you know, for us, yeah, he got good hands, kid. Right, right. And then, if he's contested, he brings in almost 60% of his catches. Hmm. So you said that's number two in all tight ends. Behind, what, Kelsey? Probably? Probably, yeah. So, you know, and plus he's young. He's 25. He still has time to develop. Really? Really? Wow. So, you know, you sit there and every everyone that they uh they brought in, you know, has been younger guys. It hasn't been a you know, a seasoned veteran or anything like that. I think Conklin's only twenty five too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He, and, he was drafted the same year as uh Corey Coleman. Yeah, he's twenty five and we signed him to other like it's unreal. Like he's he's making deals, but it's for young talent that's young proven talent. In the NFL, not this you know whimsy of uh, let's trade now and get more draft picks and let's see what happens because you know obviously that worked out so well for us for the past uh, decades. Mm-hmm. But you know you sit there and look at it, then we go back to the uh, list, and you got also uh, Carl Joseph, which I am very excited about because my wife's from West Virginia. And, oh, you know, sure, she's a Mountaineer fan, and he balled <laughs> out for the Mountaineers. I mean, let's be honest. But, you know, I'm excited about that because that's another first-round pick that, eh, was so-so. But he ended up doing better his this past year before they picked him up. They just let him go. Fine, we'll take him. It's a one-year deal. What else are you going to have? Mm-hmm. You know, go out and play ball, and guess what? You might get a bigger contract. We'll just see what happens. And same with Sandejo, right? Oh, yeah. You know, so we got a good group of guys that are just – Above mediocre for once. You know, it's not, you know, it's guys to get excited about. 
and it's also guys that are going to fill out this depth chart to where we don't have to worry if, oh, Lord, what happens if this person goes down? What well, would you just throw in Miles Garrett? What happens if Miles Garrett goes down? Well, we saw that last year. It sucked. <laughs> so they're added depth to positions that we need. And guess what? Defensive backs go down quite a bit, as we found out last year with Greedy and yeah. Ward in the first few games with hamstring injuries and what have you done. Right. Yeah. You know, we saw, I think, Terrence Mitchell step up in a big way. And they added some more depth this year at cornerback with Kevin Johnson, which I think he just signed for another one-year deal. So he's on a prove-it deal. Dejo and Joseph, as you mentioned, are on one-year prove-it deals. I think they basically signed the exact same contract for just a couple million dollars. And, you know, Joseph's the guy that he's the upside guy. He was the former first-round pick. And underperformed a little bit in Oakland. And that's to be expected. You know, they let him go. And so we're just hoping he can get that magic back that he had in college. And with Sandejo, he's that veteran guy. He comes from Minnesota Vikings. He was the guy that was out there taking them deep in the playoffs. And alongside Harrison Smith, that backside was as good as anybody in the whole league. And so the two of them were hoping that they can shore up, if not both of the safety positions, at least one of them. And hopefully maybe we get a guy in the draft. And so both of them, Joseph's maybe more of a run stopper than Sandejo is. Sandejo's more of that backside guy, and he can play coverage a little bit better than Joseph. But, you know, if Joseph gets good coaching, he can be that first-round pick that we hope him to be, and you'll have to sign him to a bigger deal next year. Don't forget, we have one of the best defensive back coaches as our defensive quarterback coordinator now. Yeah. And so, you know, Joe Woods coming from San Francisco, one of the best secondaries last year. I don't know if they're in the league, but, you know, they have Richard Sherman. They have players all around, but he brought them all together. He helped develop that talent and told them, you know, this is what you have to do in order to compete in this league. And so hopefully he can do that for us. Hopefully he can do that for Sandejo and Joseph. And, you know, with Sandejo, you're just kind of looking for some veteran leadership in that backfield because you're very young. You know, you have uh, with Ward and with Greedy Williams, they're, you know, Ward is obviously a pro bowler, but he's still, still 24, yeah, he's still, he's still young. He's still learning. He needs that veteran uh, voice in that backfield to tell him, go here, go there. And, you know, also, even if we do get a safety in the draft, He's still going to be young. He's still not going to be able to play right away. And even if he is, even if he does progress as long as, um, you know, other rookies have come along and made Pro Bowls, um, you still have three safety sets in a lot of the NFL today. You have, you know, well, if it's not a nickel formation, you have a big nickel and you throw another safety in there. So, those guys can be really valuable to this back end of this defense. We hope that these other guys can get after the quarterback. But if they can't, you know, like you said, we lost Garrett last year and our defense went to shambles. And so you need those guys to cover. You need those guys to be in the right place. And 
rookies aren't going to cut it sometimes. Sometimes you need veterans. Yeah, and, you know, it's nice that they kind of mixed all that stuff in. Uh, you know, the big thing that I think happened this offseason was the loss of Joe Schober. Yeah. And that's me personally because I thought, you know, he was a really good player. He controlled the defense. And no matter what happened, like, it all depended on where he was at. It seemed like he was always running the ball. Like, he would always have all the tackles, everything else. And, you know, I get it. It might have been, like, fluff tackles and, you know, adopted tackles. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you you miss a guy like at the center, and now you're looking at our team going, well, okay, we lost a veteran middle linebacker who controlled the whole offense. We got two now first-year guys, Taki Taki and Mac Wilson. Mm-hmm. And you're not knowing who is actually going to take that leadership role, who's actually going to take that linebacker room over. So the Browns went out and got a veteran in uh, B.J. Goodson, mm-hmm. who, you know, can still play. Let's be honest, he can still play. But, I mean, is he Joe Schobert? I, I, I don't think so, personally. But he's also there to help out. And hopefully, as a veteran, he can help these younger guys kind of develop into something that we're kind of hoping they are, especially Mac Wilson. I think mm-hmm. that's the one that we're kind of hoping develops into something special. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if he does, that's going to help out this defense tremendously because that's a young kid that's fast and likes to pop people right underneath the chin. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they unquestionable they had to sign a veteran for that linebacking core because losing Schobert, he was the quarterback of our defense. Yeah. He held everything together. He made everything go, and so you're left with these two young guys. Matt Wilson's a little more proven than Taki Taki is, but you still don't know exactly what you have with them. So you had to go sign a guy out there, find somebody, a veteran that's done it before. Goodson had an okay year, I guess, last year with um, the Packers, but you go back to his days with the Giants, and he was a proven guy on that defense, and made a lot of tackles, and he can help these guys out, hopefully. I don't know his history in this defense, but, um, you know, he can help those guys out. He can get them going. You know, maybe we even sign a hometown favorite like Clay Matthews Jr. Oh! <laughs> you know, that room needed some upgrading. Clowny. Yeah, maybe Clowney. Who knows? They needed some leadership because those other guys are just so green and you know, with us going to more of a a base defense that's like a four two five rather than just your regular four three because it is such a pass heavy league, linebackers have become devalued a little bit in this defense. And so that's why if you're upset that we didn't make a bigger splash in the defensive room, they're kind of focusing everything on getting to the quarterback and Affecting everybody in the back end, you know, be it Greedy Williams, be it Denzel Ward, you know, they're loading up in the secondary because that's where they think that's how you beat teams. You you shut them down, you shut their passing game down. And so, you know, we got those guys in the secondary, Kevin Johnson, all the safeties. Um, and we also got a guy on the defensive line, Adrian Claiborne, who is a veteran who I couldn't believe is 31 years old now. I still remember him at Iowa wrecking it. And, you know, he's a guy, we don't know what's going to happen with Olivier Vernon. No. 
He's making $15 million a year. He's definitely not worth $15 million a year after last year. But Claiborne gives us some depth. He also, he can still produce a little bit, and we he can get to the quarterback. And he also gives us some versatility because you could have Claiborne on one end and you can have Vernon on the other. That allows you to bump Miles Garrett to the inside like they do with J.J. Watt and Houston. And that gives those guards Bosa. Bosa, right. That gives those guards and those centers a different look that they're not used to seeing. They're used to seeing these big, fat, three hundred, thirty pound guys that aren't very quick. Well now you got a guy in front of you that can box jump five feet, six feet, sixty five, five six, feet. Sixty inches. Sixty inches. Yeah. And so I mean, they're gonna be peeing down their leg a little bit when he lines up there and you don't know how to protect him because he's so quick off the ball. And so he gives you that versatility. You know, we still have Chad Thomas, and we still have other guys that haven't done much, but they're just a guy. So to get him, I think that was huge for our defense, and I think we only signed him for three mil a year for two years, something like that. And so we can go from there, and hopefully he can help out in stopping the run as well. And, you know, That'll improve our defense major. Yeah, you know the other thing you gotta think about Vernon is his his contract's done. Yep. Let's just put it that way. We got him here. He's got a fifteen million dollar contract that is not guaranteed. So the Browns can just cut him whenever they want to cut him. And guess what? That frees up fifteen million dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no penalty against him, nothing. So what's the harm in bringing in Claymore to help out? You know, especially with pass rushing and everything else and try to shore up that defensive line a little bit more because, you know, like you said, you got to start with Miles Garrett. Well, you need another star there to kind of, you know, if he bolt rushes around the edge, that quarterback's going to get a happy feet and start moving somewhere. You need another guy that can actually break down that front line wall and get in there after him. I mean, you just have to. So, you know, with that in mind, you know, I would love, love to see him get cloudy. I doubt it will happen. Because he's still out there. I'd love to see him get uh, Clay Matthews. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that too. Mm-hmm. You know, that gives you a leadership in the linebacker core. That gives you a solid presence also. Can't forget the Browns fans' favorite. <laughs> you know, you know, can't, Not, for, can't forget about Dad. <laughs> Not that... Uh... Eric Mangini passing him three different times, but we won't get into yeah, that. Yeah, no, we can't. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Twisting the knife. Twisting the knife. <laughs> you know, but, you know, you sit there, you look at all this stuff that they still could potentially do with that, you know, if they want to release Vernon, if they want to keep him, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's $15 million that's going to be gone anyways at the end of the year because he's going to be, what, 32, 33? Yeah. Somewhere around there, he's up there in age. Mm-hmm. Let's just see what he does. And if he doesn't pan out, guess what? It's no sweat. You're not paying him anymore. Mm-hmm. This is the last time you're paying him, no matter what. Right. You know, there's nothing guaranteed in that contract. Mm-mm. So let's just see what happens. I mean, you know, what's the worst that could happen is they sign uh, Clowney. You got Vernon. They got Claiborne. You go four defensive ends right up front. And they're sitting there looking at these defensive ends going, what is this? Kind of the, because guess what? Defensive line has changed because, you know, everybody wants the left tackle to protect the blind side. Well, these guys are trained to move everywhere on the line now. Miles Garrett can play inside if he wanted to. He can play the other side. You see them line him up everywhere on that defensive line, and guess what? 
That's where it's at now because you're trying to find the matchup that you want to get after the quarterback. Now, what I have seen from Miles Garrett, though, is that nice little bull rush that he's got that puts uh, left tackles right under Keister and makes quarterbacks run to the right side very quickly is hilarious. <laughs> but also with that, you need somebody on the other side that can break that edge, too, and come in and kind of collapse everything. And I think with Claiborne and Vernon, and if we sign anybody else, I think that's going to happen this year. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when you have a stud like Miles Garrett, he's going to get double, triple team all day. So you need to start getting some pressure on the other side on where guys are going one-on-one. And for a guy who's making that much money, Olivia Vernon just didn't live up to the billing last year. Well, but he was hurt also. Yeah, right. He was hurt, and, you know... And when Garrett went out, he had to pick up the slack. We, yeah, we called on him to pick up the slack, but there was one game last year, I won't forget this, he, you wouldn't even know he was on the field because he did not show up in the stat book at all. Not a pressure, not a tackle, not a forced fumble, not a fumble recovery, nothing. So, you know, for a guy making that amount of money, you know, he's given us production like he was a six-round rookie, and he's not cutting it. Are you talking about Dwayne Bow? Is, <laughs> is that where we're going here with all of our no, fancy wide no, receivers no. that get paid tens of millions of dollars? Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt. There you go. Oh, yeah, let's I just, was, let's just sit name. on the bench and just collect this check. <laughs> hey, nah, Coach, I can't go. It's something a little tight right here in the back. Yeah, I, can't, I, I can't do it. I can't, 100%. Do, can't do it. <laughs> Wow, thanks for taking us down that depressing rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, bud. I had to. I mean, for, and you're right. For a long time, Cleveland has been the place for veterans to come just get paid and hang out. And we need to change that culture. I mean, William McGinnis had a couple good years, but he wasn't the stud player that we signed up for. Uh, who was uh, Jamie Collins? Jamie Collins. We gave up a third-round pick for him. Nothing. We got zilch from him. He would give up halfway through the play. And so he goes back to the Patriots. Super Bowl. Yep. Hey, he regained all that knowledge that he had on how to play professional linebacker. And so, I mean, that's up to the coaching staff to keep them accountable. Um, Going back to the defensive line, I'm excited that they signed another defensive tackle. They got some depth there and Andrew Billings, and they got a guy that – has the potential to be a starter in this league. So you have Richardson, Sheldon Richardson. He's getting up there in age. Yes. He's had a lot of productive seasons in this league. And, you know, you hope he can be solid at least for one more year, maybe two more years. And you have Ogan Joby, who's been solid up to this point in his career. But, you know, he hasn't really been a superstar by any means. But he's given us some good play. He was a third-round pick. You know, he's probably lived up to that third-round pick status, and he's been a solid player. You know, Billings is still only 25 years old, so we got him for, I believe it was just one year. So he, he's on that prove-it deal. That's what I like about what Andrew Berry's done this year, is we have a lot of guys on that prove-it deal. You know, how many times in sports do we see guys just kind of meandering along, getting through the first couple years of their contract, and then all of a sudden, oh boy, I only have one year left, and now it's time to show what I have. So they have their best year yet in their prove-it deal because they're, that's the most important deal to them. 
and they go out and they get big money and then they kind of go back into the tank. So I like the fact that we're not giving these guys three, four years, giving them that comfortability where they can just sit back and yeah, make a play here, make a play there. No, I mean, their NFL life is is pivoting on this year. And so, you know, you can either be a practice squad player next year or you can get a multi-year deal. It all comes down to this year. Yeah, you know, you sit there, you look at what Andrew Berry has done, and it's, guess what? It's protect Baker. This is Baker's year, Baker break. Uh, it, yeah. It's, you know, you sit there and look at it, you got a right tackle down. You got a full back though. You got other people that can help block with Hooper, you know, Njoku coming back. This is your year to shine. And guess what? If you don't shine, you know, we're screwed. You you gave me, you know, we sat there and talked about it, like how much time will you get Baker with Stefanski and you know how this is all gonna work out. We sit there, we joke about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I said six games. Because <laughs> after six games, you laugh at it, you know. I, the only reason I say six games is because if you're still in the playoff, like you still want to try to make the playoffs. Right. You know, if you're three and three and he's playing like hot garbage, then guess what? You're still three and three. There's still a chance for you to make the playoffs. But if you're zero and six, let him finish out the year. Let him get crap kicked out of him. But you want to give him the full year, which I understand mm-hmm. because you want to see what you actually have. And you gave me the worst case scenario that is, heaven forbid, Baker gets hurt during preseason or the first couple games. And we don't know what we have with Baker because guess what? His contract's coming up and we gotta figure something out. Yeah. You're you're getting into an argument that has a whole lot of layers, Baker Mayfield, because as we discussed earlier, I mean, I believe that the Browns window is open now. You know, it was open last year and we fell on our face. So what but now is the time where we need to be making the playoffs because you know, a lot of times, guys that haven't had any playoff experience, you get there once and, you know, you're distracted by the glitz and the glam and all the flash and light bulbs, and you might not play your best. So you need to get comfortable in that playoff setting. But with Baker Mayfield, yeah, you give him six games, I say you have to give him a whole year because he's he's not a fourth or fifth round pick. He's not Luke McCoy or uh, Luke McCown or Colt McCoy. I kind of put them both together. Um, to where he's a mid-round pick. Baby carrots. Baby carrots. Yeah, he's not Cody Kessler. There it is. He's the number one overall pick. He's supposed to be your franchise quarterback. Okay. With with that being said, you know, why do we have people in you know, the industry, I'm using that in air quotes, saying that they just want Baker to manage? They want Baker just to be a guy that just manages. He's the first overall pick. I want Baker to go out like he did at Kansas grab his balls and say, let's do this. Let's play some football. Because guess what? I don't want a Joe Flacco. I don't want a mediocre quarterback. I want that quarterback that in the fourth quarter is going to look at that coach and say, we're passing every down, and we're going to win this game because I'm going to win this game for us. And it's hard to do, but we need that guy in Cleveland. Because guess what? Everybody else is soft-spoken. You know, we have Odell and Jarvis. Yes, they're they're a whole different, you know, but we need, yes, he has been silent this whole offseason. And I'm glad because he got humbled last year. Mm-hmm. He got completely humbled last year. He got defeated and he got beat up. And he realized, oh, crap, I actually have to work now. And I think that's what finally hit him is he actually has to work now. And I hope he does because I want him to be that guy from Oklahoma 
I want him to be that brash, arrogant guy because guess what? You sit there, you watch Ben Roethlisberger beat us down for 20 years. You watched the Baltimore Ravens beat us down. You watched Andy freaking Dalton beat us down. <laughs> it is our time to come out and start doing it. And we got a flash of it against Baltimore last year where that whole offense and that whole team just went out and smacked Baltimore in their face on their home turf and just walked right over They just walked right over them. <laughs> wow, you're cutting deep right now with the uh, Andy Dalton references. Hey, I got to. <laughs> just kind of, you know, we played second, third, fourth fiddle to everyone in the AFC North. And so now's our time. Last year was our time. We need to come out and we need to be the bully in the league. And hopefully that mentality changes. And how does that change? That changes with a quarterback that you can go out and you can look him in the eye. You can have confidence that he can lead you down the field whenever he wants and do whatever he wants against these defenses. And, you know, up to this point, we haven't had that. So we pray that Baker is that guy. This is his year. This is when we get all the answers. And like you said, God forbid he gets injured. Where's Wood at? I got to knock on Wood. <laughs> right, here, right here. There it is. Knock on Wood. And so, you know, we need to find out what we have in him because time is coming to where you're going to have to pay him big money. And do we end up like the Oakland Raiders? We give our quarterback big money and he's just kind of mediocre. Do we end up like the Detroit Lions where they, they have a decent quarterback Hey, if Matt Stafford had anybody around him, if he had anybody around him, he would he would think of the years that he had with Johnson. Yeah, uh, you're sitting there with Megatron, and Megatron goes, "Yeah, I'm gonna retire." And it's like, what? But we were doing so good. Detroit hasn't put anything, anything around him, so you can't really group Matt Stafford. You know, it, you don't want. Let's be honest, you don't want a Philip Rivers, who's good enough to win you a couple games but not good enough to get you where you need to be. Well, I would disagree with you in that Phillip Rivers has taken his teams a little further in the playoffs than Matt Stafford has, and that's what it comes down to. I mean... But you have more talent. Right. What can you do when the lights are shining the brightest? And for Baker, we haven't found that out yet because he hasn't beat, other than Baltimore last year and, you know, a couple other teams in the past where... Or maybe mediocre teams. Most of his wins have come across with the losing teams in the league. We haven't beat a great team yet other than Baltimore, obviously. But so we need to find out this year. We're gonna be playing some tough teams. We need we need to go into Pittsburgh and win a game. You know, we need to go into Baltimore and win another game and we need to show them that we mean business. We're not here to just kinda get by six and ten, seven and nine, and so that's why it upsets me when I hear people say your expectations are seven and nine. No, you look at our offense, and I ask you to think of an offense that has take quarterback out of it. The other ten guys on the offensive field. What team in the NFL has a better offensive roster than we do? We have two, and you guys all know we have two Pro Bowl receivers. We have two Pro Bowl running backs. Now we have a Pro Bowl tight end. Now we have a Pro Bowl right tackle, a Pro Bowl left guard, center that's been solid for years. 
the excuses are gone. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they Freddy are. Freddie Kitchens obviously did a terrible job last year. And so we all hope that he's the reason for our failures last year. Well, if Baker can't get it done this year, then, you know, where do we go from there? Baker is not the fanciest guy. Uh, Andrew Barry was here when they drafted Baker, but Baker is not Andrew Barry's guy. And so his second, second, third chances might be up yeah. after this year if he doesn't get it done. And not to mention, we now have a capable backup who has taken his team to the playoffs to the conference championship in the playoffs. And so, like you said, I, I understand the argument that if you go three and three and Baker's not playing well, you don't want to just flush the season down the toilet because you have a capable backup that can win you a division, that can get you to the Super Bowl. Now, whether he still has that same form that he did in Minnesota, we don't know. But I love the fact that we signed Case Keenum to a three-year deal because he can help Baker understand this offense because he's played in it and understand how to be a professional and a leader of a team because he's done it before. Yeah, and you know, the, also the great thing about Case Keenum is uh, he knows the fancy's offense. Right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that, let's let's just put it that way. He he knows it. Mm-hmm. And you know, if something happens. You have a capable backup now instead of throwing clipboard Jesus to the wolves. You know, <laughs> you, you, we have that stability now. Well, we're getting close to the end of the show here. Let me on, let me more. let me just say one more thing, and it'll be real quick about uh, another one of our signings. Well, I, I don't even think he was a signing. I think we traded a seventh round pick for him and Andy Janovich. Oh and yeah. How long has this been? Like you alluded to earlier in the show. How long has it been since we've had a blocking fullback? Or a fullback in general. Lawrence Vickers. Anybody remember him? And what a, all the oh, success a he had. <laughs> he was a linebacker. <laughs> he was a two-way player. Good player. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we all remember the Rams game last year where we got it down, first and goal, game on the line, and we throw the ball four times. Oh, yeah. And... You know, we have one of the best running backs in the league. We don't give him the ball once. But that that's also Freddie Kitchens, let's right. be honest. I mean, right. those were his right. stupid play calls. Sure. You know, you, you can run it four times in a row and gain a half yard. <laughs> so we're getting to the end of our show now, all right? And at the end of the show, we always do a top three. And I think it's my – is it my turn yes, to do sir. a top three? Yeah, absolutely. So I – Oh, here comes Princess. Sorry about this. My my beautiful beagle is uh came up to visit us while we're recording. But that's okay. Um so let's see here. Our my top three was the uh what was it, the biggest bust? Or one hit wonders. One hit wonders. Browns, one, Browns hit, one hit wonders. One hit okay. wonders. And All I'm right. gonna go with uh you know Start at number three. Start at number three. One. So my number three is Jordan Cameron, tight end. Cleveland oh. Browns. Okay. And you know, he had that one year, goes to the Pro Bowl, and then <laughs> gone. You know, and that's how it has to be. I, it just, I got to throw him in there. <laughs> I got you. Okay. So, one hit wonders. Um, think about it's 16 games, or it could just be leaving a lasting effect on your memory. And one of the guys that I still don't know how he did it. But whenever you look at the record books of the entire league, you look at the record books of the NFL, this guy's name comes up and you say, huh? I don't even remember him ever being a starter for the Browns. How did he ever get 
the third most rushing yards at the time. I can't remember if somebody's broken it since then. But the third most rushing yards in a single game at the time. And his name would be, if you're with me, Jerome Harrison. I think he had 286 against the Chiefs. And he was just, I mean, from what I remember, he broke a couple big runs, but he was just automatic that one day. And so that'll always stick out in my mind because he was one of the all-time greats for one single game. Yeah, okay, so we're going to go to uh, my number two right now, and my number two is going to be Gary Barnage. Oh, yeah. Another tight end. Catching it with his legs. He caught it with everything. (laughs) And then next thing you know, it was like, uh, he's just gone. He's just gone. Yeah. You know, it it, it just, I I have no other explanation for it. I really don't. He was the man for one year. Um, So I, I think of how terrible our quarterback play has been in the past, and how it's just brought the whole team down. But there have been a couple flickering, shining lights for 10 games or one season. You're not going to say it. No. So this guy, he didn't start the whole year, but he had us in playoff contention. He had us at 7-4 and four no. on top of the division. And that guy's name is Cleveland's own Brian Hoyer. Oh, Even though he's a Michigan State guy, he was my guy. He found a way to win, and whether you give him credit or you give Kyle Shanahan credit, they found a way to get it done, and they put himself in great position to make the playoffs, and then the whole Johnny Manziel grenade went off and completely ruined the year. But Brian Hoyer, man, he was a man for 10 games. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. I knew that. <laughs> so uh, my number one, and I love him because <laughs> just who he is. Is running back Peyton Hillis? Yeah, he CIA me- agent. He he mesmerized us <laughs> enough that we voted him on a Madden cover. We voted Peyton Hillis on a Madden cover. EA Sports did the dumbest thing and said, "Hey, <laughs> we're going to take all votes." And they're like, "Oh, by the way, everybody everybody's team gets one person they can vote for." Ours is Peyton Hillis. Did you not think the Browns were going to open up the floodgates and get a Browns player on that cover? you got to be kidding me. Peyton Hillis. My Peyton Hillis story is, for my birthday, my mom got me a Peyton Hillis jersey. And before I could even wear it once, he was no longer relevant for the Cleveland Browns. I would spit out my drink. Oh, my God. I said, oh, man, I can't wait to wear my Peyton Hillis jersey. And, and by the time the next season started, I was ready to take it to Goodwill. And I say, see, it still has the tags on it. Oh, I would spit up my whiskey. My, my number one goes back to the quarterback position and goes back to the one Pro Bowl quarterback we've had since 1999. And this guy was just automatic. He dang near took us to the playoffs. Are, you, ta- than, are you talking about Crybaby? No, well, he had that one bad game in Cincinnati, and that's where everything kind of crumbled. And if it weren't for stinking Jim Sorge playing the Titans the last game of the year, we would have made the playoffs. And that's D.A. Derek Anderson. I mean, he had an unbelievable year. Braylon, Kellen Winslow, that whole offense was humming. And it's because of that great quarterback play. And then after that, poof, like a fart in the wind, he was gone. 
So now we're going to go back to the trivia question because it is the end of our show. Um, let's see here. Bry asked me, Big Bry asked me, what is the first? Who is the last? Who is the last? The last. The last either Ohio State or Michigan guy drafted first. First right? overall. Well, you're killing me with this, right? <laughs> now. I love it. Hear it. You, you hear the deep sighs right now because, you know, he likes to do this to me and put me on an edge because he likes to button hook me because the one time I think he's going to pull out a Michigan guy, it's an Ohio State guy that makes me look like a jackass. <laughs> so right now, you know, the only ones that go through my mind are Orlando Pace and Eddie George. Mm-hmm. And that's in recent years because, you know, the Buckeyes have had some really good players. You know, the Bosa's. They're, number two. Yeah, they're Chase number Young, two. Probably Dizzo number Ward's two. Number four. Yep. You know, Michigan guys haven't been drafted at the top, and I don't even know how long. Tom Brady wasn't drafted at the top. Yeah, man. <laughs> We're not getting Tom Brady. <laughs> Devin Bush. So, but, I hate to say it because I know I'm wrong. I know I'm totally wrong, but I, I'm going to go Eddie George. Eddie George is not a bad guess. Um... Yeah, I don't think he was drafted. I can't remember. He might have been top 10. And the guy I thought you were going to say was Orlando Pace because he was a stud. He was well, I remember him. He was like third pick or something. Yeah, like I want to say maybe back in 97 when the Browns weren't around. But there's been one guy since then plays the same position. And you guessed it. It's a Michigan Wolverine. Oh. And his name would be Jake Long. I think it was 2008. I I don't think he had much of a career to remember, but he was a solid player. Um, But, yeah, what can I say? He was a Michigan guy. I knew you were (laughs) going to do that to me. Make me look like a fool in our first ever podcast. But that's okay. So this is the time for We Got to Run. We got to uh, go take care of – well, I got to take care of babies and puppies. I got to pee. And somebody's got to pee. So – uh, this is the uh, I'm That Fat Guy and Really Big Bri Bri. <laughs> and uh, it's our first ever podcast. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. And first, all, last but not least, I'd like to thank our military for everything they've done. And i also like to thank our first responders, all of our first responders, doctors, you know, nurses, people at the grocery store, especially for us because we're fat, drive throughs at fast food places. <laughs> You know, everybody, everybody that had to work through this, we want to thank you so much for doing it because it means so much for this country and this nation and the military. We love you more than ever. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for sacrificing everything for us to do this show. God bless. So on that note, we're uncorked, unloaded, and we're out. So we'll see you later. Why you got to throw the really face? Yeah. <laughs>